This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. From Christianity Today, this is The Art of Pastoring. I'm Jared Wilson. And I'm Ronnie Martin. Guide me, O Thou Great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. What's up, Jared C? Man, I'm excited to talk about this subject. We have. Are you? I know you seemed you seemed hyped about it when you when you sent me the the pre show prep for it, and yeah, and uh, so uh, yeah, so I'm curious um, why this particular well, topic, which is called the joys of ministry. Why, why, why this is speaking to yeah, you so well, much? Well, it wasn't on our list, right? So yeah. CT wanted us to come up, you know, Christianity Today wanted us to come up with a list of topics, you know, episode topics to propose. Yeah. And we we composed this big list, and we have this Google Doc that we're working off of. And, I mean, I think we noticed three episodes in recording I mean, it's kind of a downer, the stuff that we've been talking about. <laughs> and some of even the public, some of the social media comments have been, hey, this is really helpful, guys. Thanks for you know talking about anxiety and discouragement. Do you think you could talk about stuff that isn't pushing us off the, you know, the ledge, right? <laughs> and they're exactly right, because we yeah. mainly were thinking, how do we minister to people who, you know, are, are pastoring in the, uh, in the realistic times, in the real yeah, stuff of ministry? for sure. And man, gosh, how neglectful would we be to paint this picture overall of ministry as just this big, like who would want, based on this podcast, who would want to be in this thing? So we got to talk about the joy. Yes. It's a joy to shepherd God's people, isn't it? There is some joy in it. Yeah. Believe it or not, even in 2020, even in, even in COVID, even around, <laughs> even around this election, there is some joy in pastoring our people. For sure. There definitely is. But we don't. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because, you know, for the very reason why I didn't make our list of 30 something <laughs> topics, 30 something topics, which all kind of revolve around discouragement, depression, <laughs> anxiety, you know, people who look in who think pastors are just a bunch of whiners, they could use our podcast as good evidence, uh, you know, of that. Yeah. And there's still going to uh, be more of that coming. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We still have some things lined up for sure. Yeah. Um, because I think we got to talk about the real stuff, but why don't we talk more about the joy of ministry? Do you think there's been a kind of pendulum shift now? Where in trying to be real, yes, have we gone too far? Is that is that what it is? I totally think it is. It's it's funny because when you mentioned when you mentioned this topic, I thought about it for a little while, and I was like, oh man, he's so it's so true. Because again, I think it's never as sexy to talk about things that are going well, right? I mean we we want to hear the darker side of what people are experiencing, so that we feel like we have somebody who is speaking for us and understands where we're at. All that is true. It'll remain to be true. We're going to talk about all kinds of dark stuff for the rest of the entirety of this, <laughs> as long as we do this podcast, right? Uh, which is hopefully for a little while. And um, But I think it's like anything else. It's kind of like the way that we, we design a worship service. It's not all lamentation. It's not all confession of sin. We got to have those moments where we are thanking and praising the Lord for for who he is and how he's working. And to neglect that just means that, yeah, there's a massive piece missing. But it's definitely not as marketable. 
to talk about, hey, we're going to talk about everything that's great today, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So uh, I'd be curious, even after this has been out for a while, what the downloads or the listens to this particular episode yeah. are compared to the episode on discouragement yeah, right? totally. or, yeah, absolutely. or anxiety or something like that. And I think I think you're onto something because when people talk about the difficult times or they talk about the tough times, the joyless times, we have one or two reactions. One is we can identify with it. Oh, they know what I'm going through. Or we feel better about ourselves. Man, yeah. that guy's got it awful. <laughs> and I feel a lot better about myself now based on how terrible he's doing, you know. So the comparison thing. But when someone's doing great, <laughs> there's something like the cynical nature, like the flesh in us. The cynicism side is kind of like, just shut up. We don't need to hear. Yeah. I, I almost think the pendulum has swung so much that we get disgruntled when people talk about happy things happening. And I don't know, is there a spirit of competition maybe in that, especially among pastors? I don't want to hear about how many you baptized. I don't want to hear, you know, who came to faith through your, you know, discipleship ministry and you know, all those sorts of things. We never say that out loud, of course. Right, of course, yeah. In, in our hearts, we ha we kind of are disgruntled. We have a grudge against joy because of a spirit of competition, I, I, I yeah. think, sometimes. I, well, I, it's funny because you – I'm trying to think about, like, books that have recently come out and, you know, even over the last couple of years. And you just typically wouldn't even see something come out called, let's just say, the joys of ministry. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I can hear a publishing house saying, yeah, who's going to buy that? You know, it should, it should be the joyless ministry. That's what's going to sell. Right. And right. you'll, well, what did, uh, Piper just came out with Barnabas Piper was a reissue. He has a book on happiness. Yeah. It's not, well, that's not a reissue. That's a new book. And I love how okay, we're just promoting Piper on my other podcast now, but what the heck it was called, uh, hope, <laughs> it's called hoping for happiness. Yeah. So hoping it, for happiness. So oh, it, so it's not even, it's like you might have it. So it's still one of those depressing <laughs> books. It's not like you can have this. It's, it's kind of like, like yeah, it's on the if come, right? It's you <laughs> might, you, maybe you'll have this, maybe you won't. So right. it's still within the same genre. Right. As and if you know the, Barnabas uh, Piper, it, yeah, he can't, he can't buy in all the way, right? It's, yes. <laughs> so oh, that's really funny. I think, but I think that's a good point though. And I think if you're, if you're kind of wired like me, if you tend to, and I think you are a little bit, Jared, like where you tend to, you lean into melancholy a little bit more than you do the other way. There's something that's difficult about even acknowledging, hey, th these are good days and these are good meetings that I've had. Th th these are good moments that I've had interfacing with other brothers and sisters. Man, today was a great Sunday. You know, like we, there, there's, a, there's a part of us that like, I don't know, that even has a hard time justifying that everything is great because I think that we kind of carry a little bit of the cynical kind of heart and nature of the world, which is I'm afraid to say there is a joy there. Something's good. Less, you know, the, the, the rug of joy gets pulled out from under my feet. I know growing up in the family that I grew up in, there was a sense where everybody sort of had to make fun of things because to admit that something gave you joy, made you happy. It was vulnerable. Number one, and number two, to say it meant that, oh no, you think you're, you think you're better than everybody else. You think you don't go through stuff. And then the three, it was the fear that, oh no, if I'm too happy about something, just get ready because the next day it's all going to go away. And I, and I think that that's followed me for sure uh, into ministry, that kind of mindset. Yeah. Well, we feel guilty. I mean, because we hate people who are happy. And so when we're happy, <laughs> we, 
we're afraid of what we're getting on. I mean, even think of like what people do to newlyweds, right? Someone's newly married mm. and they're just so happy and I mean, they're just so in love and everything's wonderful. And we just, you know, not you and I, of course. Of but course not. People want to come along and they just want to squash it. Just you wait. Just you wait. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we all, you can't live in the honeymoon your whole life for sure. But what is the impulse in us? That wants to come along and squash people who are enjoying their honeymoons, you know, life, their newlywed days. I think it's the same kind of impulse. And I think even within ourselves, we don't want to let ourselves get too happy. I think for me, sometimes it's not necessarily feeling guilty, like I shouldn't be happy because other people are not. But it also just has to do with this can go away any second. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I don't want to like latch onto it or enjoy it too much. Maybe that's part of my melancholy nature. What I want to do, brother, is let's just rehearse some mm. some joy, some some memories. So let's just go back and forth, maybe two or three yeah, um, anecdotes idea. a piece. W- what are some things for you? Maybe it's just a, a routine of ministry, or maybe there's a, a specific thing that you're remembering, a, a memory. What's your number one kind of? It brings you joy, man. It's 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 a joyful ministry moment. Gosh, you know, I think some of the ones that I've experienced recently. Because we've been, uh, we given COVID, we've kind of had to do some different things we normally do. And we've been doing some men's and women's groups that we hadn't done in the past. And so I've, I've had a chance to hang out with like a larger group of dudes. And just, you know, being able to hang out on a Thursday night for a couple of hours, sit down with them, chat, get, get some of their stories. And I think what's been one of the joys for me is just getting like a minute to sort of see the progress that some of these brothers have made like in the faith since, you know, given, let's just say they, they came into the church, our church, you know, three or four years ago. And you remember who they were then. And you remember maybe there were some rough edges there. And, you know, you kind of remember where they were at in life and maybe some of these extenuating circumstances that were going on. And then now you kind of come back three or four years later. And these are, I mean, these are brothers that have, man, they've really invested in the church. They've become members and to hear the way their language has changed and to hear sort of their love and affection for, for Christ increase to the place that it has. And to see like their, even sort of their level of understanding of, of spiritual things and maybe some doctrinal things, just having grown just slowly, but just seeing that they have had this increase of joy because of the work of Christ at this church in their life. I mean, man, you just, you walk away from that. I just walk away from that. And I just, it's hard not to just be kind of glowing, being just so grateful to God. Because again, you know, it has really very little to do with you, but it's this community that God has like built around you. And you just think, okay, I can chart that progress. I can see that progress. And it is such a joy because a lot of times, you know, you just, you look at the things you do. I mean, you know how it is. You, you preach a message and you go, does any, did anybody hear that? Does anybody care? I mean, uh, it's like, you just, you cause you don't get that feedback. That's the cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason because it's true. And then sometimes you get this window in this picture of people's progress in the faith. And you just go, thank you, Lord, because that's incredible. And I certainly just had a, you know, just a tiny part of it. What about you? Yeah, I think, you know, just in terms of the routine stuff or the the regular stuff of ministry, what you're touching on really when people when there's moments of transformation, when yeah. people are are changed, particularly when they come to Christ, it's it's like this startling reminder, "Oh yeah, this is why we do this." <laughs> that <laughs> that people would would know Jesus. 
that's why we're, that's why I'm doing this. This is why I have this job. Right. And so I think for me, like the 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 happiest routine part were baptisms, particularly. I oh, mean, every man. baptism is joyous for sure. Yeah. But particularly adult convert baptisms, where you just see, man, like the Lord came through as he is wont to do. He's still in the business of saving people. He's still in the business of setting people free and being able to baptize couples who had come to faith together. You know, older, you know, folks. I remember a particular fellow named Stephen who, you know, 60-some years old and, mm. you know, came to faith at that age and came to our, you know, came to church late in, in age. And to be able to baptize him, is it just was... I just remember like my, you know, at the end of those days, yeah. right, my heart just being so full and thinking, this is why we do what we do. 100%. It's not, it's not for the packed sanctuary. It's not for anything else. It's because of this. Because when it's all is said and done, yeah, it, it wasn't because of you, but the Lord has stewarded this thing to us. Yes. And there will there will be people in heaven because of the means of your ministry. Yeah. And I think n- nearly any pastor who's been at it for a while will have people who, you know, even if you haven't seen converts, you've, you've seen people who, who can, you know, if you're preaching the gospel, people are growing, whether they see it or not. There's going to be that, the heaven, you know, the heavenly validation yeah. of, of ministry. And I think just knowing that, man, it's just, it's, it's rich, it, man. It means it's not in vain, you know. This episode is brought to you by Church Law and Tax. Church Law and Tax understands the realities of church work, helping thousands of churches stay informed and get equipped with comprehensive resources on legal, tax, financial, and risk management matters. Do you have a question on housing allowance? Need information on selecting church insurance? Looking for insights on what is or isn't unrelated business income? Or how about some guidance on how to properly receive charitable contributions? ChurchLawAndTax.com equips you for success with access to the most respected and knowledgeable attorneys, accountants, financial advisors, and risk managers guiding churches today. Get the practical information and timely coverage you need to keep your church up to date and lead your ministry with confidence. Join ChurchLawAndTax.com today. What about something specific? Can you think of a specific story or specific instance that for you was like, oh, that moment, I, I could have died and gone to heaven that very moment? Yeah, I remember, um, gosh, I, I got to be careful how I tell this, but I remember there was um, this one guy who uh, came, he's a dear brother now, came into the church, wasn't a believer, came with a believing girlfriend. The believing girlfriend leaves the church. They <laughs> breaks up with him and leaves the church. Okay. And this dude stays and he's still not a believer, but he's sticking around because he'd kind of, you know, a little bit of, you know, kind of formed some community around him. And he eventually comes to Jesus and he uh, gets baptized. And then, you know, he's, you know, one of these, one of these early Christians, he eventually gets a, he, then he gets another <laughs> girlfriend <laughs> okay. and, and she's not, she's not a believer. And again, this okay. guy's young in his faith. And this I, isn't your testimony, is it? No, it isn't. Right? It should be, right? right. It's like, Paul, I, I knew a man once who <laughs> yeah, totally. was taken up into the third girlfriend. I mean, if, if it is me, then I was preaching at this church while it happened. So it may, okay, you know, okay. 
so this dude, he gets a, he has a girlfriend and uh, he's a young believer. And I remember, you know, I remember sitting down with him and he's describing her and I'm like, you know, do we know where she's at in her faith? And, and he's just going, well, I, does that matter? And I'm like, well, yeah, it, it does matter for these reasons. You know, it just wasn't right. Re- you know, he's a really tender hearted guy, but it wasn't registering with them. And so we talked about it and he just kind of kept moving forward in the relationship. And it turns out she comes to Christ Okay. And um, gets baptized, and so again, it's it's not it's you know it's not the advice you would give anybody to 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 take you know in all of these things right. <laughs> right. And then um, it was so interesting because I remember they got engaged, they got married. This was years ago, and here they are still still with us. But this this dude came to me. I remember a, a couple years back, a few years back, and he goes, "Hey, he goes, I remember that time you sat." in that coffee shop with me and you were trying to tell me something and he said you were trying to be so you were so careful and you were so cautious because I knew you were trying not to like offend me and he goes and I just didn't see it he goes I just didn't see it he goes God God worked it he goes but I but I couldn't see it at the time because I was I just didn't have a lot of maturity in my faith and he goes but but he said I'm just and again this is going to sound like I'm propping myself up I don't mean it to sound it like that but he just said I was so grateful that you just stuck with me you didn't just like say hey we're going to have to let you go and and you know he goes I'm I'm guessing this was a conflict for you and yet you stuck with me you were patient with me and God ended up doing a work it was a little unconventional in some ways he goes, but I, I so appreciate that. And I want to repent to you for not seeing it at the time and and for not actually kind of, you know, kind of coming under your leadership because I just didn't have that level of understanding. And it just, I don't know, it was just that moment where you see that, again, it's going back to what we said originally, where you, you see that transformation and that, that soft heartedness. And it was, just, and I mean, I just wanted, I almost tackled the guy and I'm hugging him. Oh, yeah. no, man, it's so good. Like, the Lord worked. And in spite of all the mess and, and all of that, and you being a young believer and all of that, and sometimes it doesn't always go that way. You know, we understand that too, but the Lord really worked. And that, I never forgot that, that follow-up conversation years later that this dude comes up to me and has, because he's still thinking about it. And that just was, I don't know, those kinds of things are just mind-blowing and phenomenal to me. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, there's moments, there's little joys to latch onto, but then there's like those those memorable yeah experiences. Kind of you know, it's like our our Super Bowl Sunday kind of you know yeah. like victory <laughs> moments. Like I'll never forget. For me, another uh, another one would be preaching the funeral of my friend Richard, which you know, of course is not a happy occasion in and of itself. But mm. there was so much, I felt so much pressure leading up to it. So Richard was a young guy. He died when he was 32 of a brain tumor. Mm. And, you know, he was sick when, when they came to the church, baptized he and his wife, and just spent a whole lot of time with them as he got worse and worse and worse and just kind of walked with them as much as I could to the finish line. Was there the night before he passed away. Mm. And he had a, quite a few unbelieving family members and his wife did as well. And so... We had just talked so much about what he wanted at his funeral. I mean, mm. it's when you wake up every day knowing, you know, barring a miracle, yeah, I, I'm I'm dying, like I'm going to die. Right. I mean, we all, you know, that's true of all of us. But when you just have that awareness because of this diagnosis and this fight that you're in, he just woke up every day knowing I'm going to die. And it, it's going to yeah. be sooner than it, you know, would be otherwise. Mm. And so we talked about that stuff a lot, and it just mm. built up for me. Yeah, a lot of, 
you know, not pressure to perform, but just I want to get it right. I want to do justice to him. Yeah. Because he had a lot of what he what he wanted in it and he had a lot of prayers built up for his family and for his wife's family and and I had preached a lot of funerals even by the time I got there. Like even to you know, to this day, you know, the number of weddings I've preached on two hands I could count the weddings I've done. Oh wow. Huh. But yeah, for real. But I've lost count of the funerals. So gosh. I mean I I was already kind of well-worn with with funerals, but this one in particular, I just remember showing up, his family, his wife's family, and just feeling so much pressure of, I, you know, I've got to do it well. And, you know, I preached a text that he had wanted me to preach from Romans. He wanted me to really kind of highlight God's sovereignty mm. in using his sickness and those sorts of things. And so I just thought, not only am I trying to faithfully proclaim the gospel, but I want to do justice to my friend. And I remember when I was done, and I was exhausted. It was like, I, I just left it all out on the field. And when mm. I was done and I prayed and I'm about to come off, you know, down off the pulpit, his wife she on the front row jumps up and she like runs and she grabs me and gives me this big hug. And she goes, you did it. That's a, <laughs> like I had just kicked the winning field goal, right? That's exactly what she said. Because she felt it too. That yeah. was like, Richard had a particular vision for how it was going to go. We, you know, we were looking for something and you did like, you did it. You kicked it right through the uprights, right? You executed that funeral like a champion, Jared. It did. I I walked off thinking, oh man, that, you know, I I felt the Lord's pleasure. I felt her pleasure. Yeah. For whatever reason, this may sound weird. I felt Richard's pleasure. Yeah. in, In doing that. And I just hold on to that moment, that just triumphant, you did it. (laughs) <laughs> moment that was a moment of just I could have died and gone to heaven right in that but and, I lo- and join and join Richard in the joy of heaven I love that though and that I mean and I think I and again like you said those are big moments and I think that I think we experience the little moments more than we realize if we would just remember to be more thankful in our in our day-to-day ministries you know Psalm 9 I would give Thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. And we just, we don't typically have a posture where, where we allow ourselves to let that be cultivated in us. And I just think even little things like, man, you know, you have those, you have those messages you preach that just didn't come together. You had like 20 minutes that week to prepare it, you know, whatever it is. And you go and you slop this thing out. And, you know, that's, it's the cliche. That's the one where you have everybody coming up saying, oh man, I really <laughs> needed that word. And that was that's so right. good. And I appreciated that so much. And you're going like, they should fire me after that message. It's so bad, you know? And it's like, God uses those moments that you weren't expecting to be joyous moments. And then he, he kind of gives us those unexpected joys. And I think those are my favorites in terms of all the, the, all of the tens of hundreds of thousands of moments that I, I wouldn't be able to remember, but just those unexpected, like surprising moments of joy that just sort of pop in and pop out. And you just go and you look up. And if you could just pause for a minute, you can look up and you can go, Lord, thank you, because I really needed that. Even if it was just this tiny little word of encouragement from somebody for some horrible message I just slopped out on a, on a Sunday with like 10 minutes to prepare the night before kind of a thing, you know? And I just, it's a grace from God that he is kind in that he says, hey, I'm going to give you something here because I love you. And here's how I show my favor and my pleasure for you, you know, and I, but it's harder. I think being thankful is what helps us sort of call up those moments. So it's, it's a matter of saying, hey, I, I, I got to intentionally think about 
these moments of joy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, if we have the eyes to see, yeah. there's a lot there's a lot more joy than we even think or that we tend to yeah. sort of dwell in, even in, in, in ordinary or even discouraging seasons. Well, even like at the of, funeral of, of you ministry. preached, I mean, there's it's strange to say that was a joyous moment that you look back on, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and there's a similar too. I mean, the 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 last little anecdote I you know I'd share is you know this is after I you know had left and I wasn't pastoring the church anymore. But the last saint that I buried, I think I've talked about her on this uh, mm. on the podcast before. Was uh, her name was Natalie, and she died of pancreatic cancer. She was living. They set up hospice in her best friend's home, and that's where she that's where she died. And so you know you know preached her funeral, kind of tidied up my last little you know, weeks of ministry there and, and moved on to Kansas City. Well, Natalie's friend, Ellen, whose home that was, mm-hmm. um, she got cancer. Uh. And um, and I'm hearing all about this, you know, kind of third hand. I talked to her husband a couple times, but but I'm not there. I'm not their pastor anymore. But we go back to visit Midwestern Seminary on a New England study tour. And we're kind of touring the area. And I'm not sure I want to go, and, you know, because, like, I haven't been gone that long. And yeah, and, and there's people there who don't want to see me. <laughs> So like I've got that in mind, yeah, but um, I'm just trying to keep my distance, and it get you know people get wind that I'm in town, and so Ellen's husband calls, and uh, says hey you know Ellen would really like to see you, and I'll be honest brother like just as a confession of sin, of course I said yes, but in my heart I was thinking you know I I I thought I was done with this I I don't you know I still carry a lot of heaviness still mm. to, even to this day from the last three years of just watching people die. And I certainly did not feel prepared to go back into that situation. And even though I'm not their pastor and I'm not, you know, doing the funeral, you know, any of those sorts of things, I just thought, you know, it's kind of like in, you know, Godfather, you know, part three, like as soon as, every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in, right? Corleone says, I felt like that. I was like, man, it's like they're pulling me back in. So I go to the house and of course she, I mean, you know, she looks awful. She's dying. And all those old memories are coming back. And I'm remembering <laughs> going to visit Natalie in the same place at, at this house. You need to <laughs> drive up this long gravel driveway all the way up this hill. And you get to the house. And the last time I left Natalie there was when she had died. <laughs> and we had helped put her body in this pine box. And I'm driving back down the driveway. And in my head, I'm thinking, I never want to go up this driveway again. And here yeah. I am, not even the pastor. I just came to visit. And I'm driving up this driveway to go visit someone who's dying. And, you know, I spent some time with her and her family. Their daughters were there, shared the gospel with their, mm. with their daughters. And and it was just heavy and it was serious. Mm. And it, the whole time inside, I'm thinking, I, I don't, I, th- I thought I was done with this. I don't want to be here. Yeah. And when it was all said and done, I got in my car and I started driving back down that driveway. And this feeling came over me of, mm of of ha- of weird happiness wow. of I can't believe I I have this privilege of speaking into situations like this. Yeah. The most, you know, sacred moments of people's lives are these hanging in the in in the balance of life and death moments. And as much as I would begrudge it, the Lord, you know, stewards that to pastors. And that's a joy. It's a great privilege yeah. to be able to to comfort saints, mm. to remind them that that the Lord's uh, death for them was not in vain. And so it was just a weird, um, again, like the funeral, maybe I'm just a weird, you know, mixed up person, but in the, in the wake of, <laughs> in the wake of the heaviness and the grief, 
I just felt this joy because of the privilege. I felt ashamed of my own unwillingness to engage in it, but I also coming out of that just felt the, the sheer joy of being able to help God's people end well and finish well. And it would, and it would be so Jesus to do that, right? For the, yeah. for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, you know, and you think like it's, it would be, it's so like him to give you that particular moment of liftedness and lightness in what would be one of the heaviest, you know, mornings or whenever it was of your life. And it's so him to sort of give you that, that feeling of like full heartedness in something when it feels like your heart is just broken. And it, again, it, it speaks, j- the joys of ministry speaks, you know, most well of the Jesus of ministry for sure, who is the one who gives us that joy and reminds us, I think of what you just said so well, which is that he gave us this to Stuart. It's a privilege. We just forget the privilege because the heaviness it is just sort of descending on us all the time. And if we're not careful, it just engulfs us and it just, it reshapes us. It can sort of bend us and mold us in ways that, that allow us to just, you know, our vision to be just clouded to, to what is good and what is joyful and what we get to do. But Yeah, I mean, it's just a privilege in getting to be friends with Jesus. No matter what's going on in your life, it's, there's joy. He came to make our joy complete. And and he wasn't blowing smoke when he said that. Yeah. And then to be a pastor, to get to you know, to get to be a minister is a, a great joy. You have this privilege of of proclaiming the gospel, of helping people see Jesus. So I think, you know, really my encouragement to any pastor, um, especially those going through a particularly joyless yeah. season or what feels like it is, don't let the joylessness win. Mm. If, if you've got the eyes to see you can find joy just in being friends with Jesus. You can find joy in um, all these amazing things you get to do. They, it, they may be very difficult. You may not see a lot of immediate fruit in response to it, but just the privilege you get to proclaim the word, to talk to people about Jesus, that in and of itself is is a grounds of, of great joy. And I think if you've got your eyes open, you'll find other you know, more obvious things too, that you're just overlooking, Yeah. you know, the, the, the laughter of kids on a Sunday morning mm. running down the hallway of your church Yeah. or, you know, the, the smile of, of someone during a sermon when, when a particular note of the message or, or line, you know, strikes their heart or just to hear an amen or to see a head nod, you know, just different little, if you've got the eyes to see it, there's cause for joy yeah, well said. everywhere. I'm Jared Wilson. I've been speaking with Ronnie Martin. Thank you for joining us today on the Art of Pastoring podcast. Open now the crystal fountain Whence the healing waters flow Let the fiery cloudy pillar Lead me on my journey through If you're liking the show, please take a minute and give us a rating and review in iTunes. It helps other people find us. You can find Ronnie and me on Twitter at at Ronnie J. Martin and at Jared C. Wilson. Feel free to hit us up with questions and potential topics for the show. We'd love to hear from you. The Art of Pastoring is a production of Christianity Today. It's produced by Mike Cosper, editing by Mike Cosper and Aaron Leslie, mixing by Aaron Leslie. Our theme song is Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah by Jeremy Casella.